0: Can you hear me?
1: Yes. Dr. Tro Kalijan.
0: Kalijan. Come on.
1: Kalijan. Kalijan. Come on. <laughs> Seriously? You're
0: Armenian, right? Kalijan. I see the beard and the nose. You're Armenian, right?
1: <laughs> I, uh, I was trying to show off. I was like the guy trying to run up the stairs and tripped. Damn it.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the frame is kind of small, but let's see if that works. Um, here.
1: You look crisp. You might have the best connection of any guest we've ever had.
0: Yeah, we're we've been doing this, man. We've been doing this. The uh, we're we're I just did two podcasts this morning, so um, we're 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 doing it, man.
1: You're Dr. doing great Tro, work. Thank you, Doctor Tro Collegian, uh host of the Low Carb MD podcast.
0: There you go. Yeah, it's right over.
1: Right over We here. have a. We have a few things in common. Um, we both are acquaintances with the carnivore MD, Paul Saladino.
0: Oh, Paul! Yeah, good friend of mine.
1: Great guy, right?
0: Yeah, he's onto something.
1: How old are you, Doctor Tro? Uh,
0: I think I'm 38.
1: Do you do you, do you go by Doctor Tro? Because um, Tro is many... fine.
0: Tro's Tro's fine if you want to do Tro, you know. Tro,
1: Tro. Uh, yeah, Ayo.
0: Yeah. Uh, but but Tro's fine.
1: Um, and do you not you do you go by Dr. Tro because you think um Kalejans too difficult for people to say and remember?
0: Uh I think that Dr. Tro is like Dr. Phil. Oh, you
1: know I what like I mean? It. Yeah.
0: So it's kind of like you know, even when I was a resident, I you know, I told people to just call me my first name. And it's funny, the way to come about is a funny story. I don't know if we're recording or not, but, um, you know, uh, <laughs> you'd be in the hospital and i talk to the nurses. And a lot of them are, you know, some of them are uh, immigrants or multinational. And I guess there's a different way of showing respect in those countries because they say, no, just call me Tro. Like, it's fine. They'd be like, okay, Dr. Tro. You no, know, it's like, like... <laughs> You know, just, no, just Tro. Okay, Dr. Tro, we'll call you Dr. Tro. I got it. You know, like, it's just, uh, that's maybe where this started as an intern, you know?
1: Are are you first generation in this country? Yeah. Where are your parents from? Uh,
0: both in Syria. And then, uh, I guess if you want to take it a step further back, um, uh, Achilles for my dad and then, uh, Ulfa uh, for my mom.
1: Are those in Turkey? Yeah. And so your your grandparents escaped during the genocide to Syria, and then yeah, and then made the yeah. leap to the United States.
0: Yeah, my great uh, great grandfather uh, basically hid under dead bodies to to escape, and then miraculously reunited uh, in Syria. And then yeah, my parents were born in Syria. And
1: then uh, uh they
0: moved here in the seventies and had me and my three brothers uh, my wow. uh, my two brothers, yeah,
1: wow, the seventies and and um why 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 syria did, did he go wh- how did they end up in Syria? I'm always interested in that because my family was in Musadah in Turkey, and uh I can't remember if it was French ships or English ships, but took them to Lebanon. Where the French then built them a, a village, you know, of ten by ten concrete huts, and that's that's where my dad was raised. How, how did you how did you know why how you guys? Yeah, I mean, we're so Urfa,
0: Urfa, and and Kilis uh, are just right over the Syrian border. You know, um, so it's not really like a you know,
1: it's just they not really yeah, it was it's close. Like, it was close yeah. and out and out of the slaughter zone. You got it. I I one time drove from uh, Beirut through Syria to Turkey to Musada. Well, I didn't actually drive, believe it or not. I took a taxi. <laughs> it was a hell of a, <laughs> it was a hell of a drive. When was that? Oh man. Are you,
0: are you born here?
1: I'm born here. Yeah. Yeah. And my, and my dad's born in Anjar, Beirut. And my mom is uh first generation on her side. Her family came from, uh, escaped from Malatya, Turkey. I think – th- I'm pretty sure that they came through Ellis Island. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. It's, um, it's always interesting to find doctors uh, like yourself um, that believe in empowering uh, people through diet to heal themselves. As opposed to which usually involves taking things out of their diet as opposed to the the um the other way which is to get prescriptions and surgeries and you've spoken you've been really really outspoken on your instagram about that and you've also alluded to the fact that you get um you get pushback from other from your peers from your colleagues
0: yeah yeah they're they're a bunch of idiots the line most doctors are just ingrained in the system. First of all, they accept money from insurance companies uh, and they contract with them to get uh, paid you know, about $28 per visit. And so what they do is they try to make you do a whole bunch of stuff you don't need. Like, well, we got to do another EKG. we got to do another breathing test. And they try to get you to spend about seven minutes because they've agreed to accept such low payment, right, from these insurance companies. So what they're doing is basically uh, making themselves be terrible doctors, right? And the ones who actually spend time and try to listen and hear, you know, they, they wouldn't be able to survive, right? If you spent half an hour with a patient, you know, our first visit with our patients, there's an hour and a half. Right. An hour and a half. And that's not even including the half an hour my staff spent to tell you how our practice runs. Right. And it's like literally a video call explaining what we do, how we do it, who's part of our team, our health coaches, our trainers, you know, what what it is we do. And then and and that's not including the half an hour of time we spend getting your medical records. Right. So before you even come in to see me. You know. We've, we've spent probably an hour's worth of time. And then when you do come and see me after the first visit, it's been two and a half to three hours of time interacting with our practice. That's our first visit. Do right. You, and do that's your, yeah, do your
1: patient. Do your patients know what they're getting themselves into? I think when people come to all of them. Yeah. Okay. So they yeah. don't come there and they're like, oh, this sucks. He didn't give me metformin. He actually he told me to stop <laughs> eating Twinkies. You get that. Yeah.
0: So so here's, the, so here's the next part. So people coming to us. So we've published in the medical literature that what we do can actually decrease binge eating symptoms. We've published in the medical literature that we improve diabetes outcomes, taking people off insulin. We've published this. We've published that we're able to lower triglycerides from over a thousand to under 200, right? These are the blood fats in your body. So we've published this. So people read what we do and then they're like holy crap that's what I want. I don't want to be on meds. Right? Or they listen to the podcast, you know our podcast is always top 10 in iTunes on for medicine. So we're you know people hear the podcast, we've reached 4 5 6 million people something like that. And um, they they know they have been educated, right? They've got we have hundreds of hours, we have over 170 interviews with patients with other doctors, um, with scientists. So they've gotten a whole education, so they know that more is is out there. The people who don't know are these just terrible medical organizations that are, you know, even the ADA, the American Diabetic Association says they recognize that, you know, you can lower your sugar and process carbs and improve diabetes. Right. But the reason why they say there's no diabetic diet and eat more grains and more fruits in the same breath. Right. The reason why they say that is because their biggest sponsors are big food and insulin companies. Right. So so the problem is, is that um, the problem is, is your doctors and insurance companies don't care about you. Right. That's the truth. They just don't care about you right and their doctors they may generally care but they're, the system they've agreed to accept lets them spend about 7 minutes with you on average so wow. they don't really know your problems and can hear your problems they can't they don't know anything they don't know what you they don't even know what you eat and even if they knew what you ate because all the medical organizations say eat more grains eat more fruits have you know more bread and pasta right and rice because the me, all the medical organizations, the, they've taught doctors to think that that is proper eating when we know it's not.
1: And your continued education is, is primarily sponsored by pharma, right?
0: Yeah. So uh, most of – a lot of continuing education, a lot of the education most doctors get are just from the reps that come. In our practice, we don't even allow reps to step in our office. Literally, a rep tried to step into our office yesterday. My office manager went out and said, what are you doing here? You know, there's a sign on our door that says no solicitation because I don't want to be influenced by them. If I'm going to use a drug, which sometimes we use drugs, right? We use drugs. It's going to be because I studied the medicine. I studied the research, right? And I think it's appropriate. Not because some guys in here, you know, giving me pens and dinners and lunches, right? And uh, notepads right, which is literally what pharmaceutical companies have done for the last, you know, 50 years, they've gone to the point where they've literally hired strippers and taken doctors out on, you know, massive getaways to get them to prescribe their drugs. It is, my profession is a disaster.
1: When, when, when I was working for CrossFit, the founder had started doing continued education for doctors and he tried to get it – I don't know if this is the right word – certified. And, it, and as I recall, at first they certified it, and, and it was fantastic, right? It was all people like you coming and speaking. That's what the yeah, continuing education I've, was I've about. I've
0: seen those lectures, David Diamond, Gary yep. Fedke, um, Jason Fung, Tim Noakes did a big series for CrossFit Health. Yep. So I – mean, and,
1: and then they pulled away the – whatever the accreditation was because they said we were a for-profit company. And I thought, but what about pharma? They're, 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 for profit. And, uh, at that point, I think Greg changed the name to the derelict doctors club. Like basically like, okay, we'll embrace that. We'll, we'll, we'll fund it and and, we, and we'll do it without getting the necessary uh, accreditation to our doctors. When you became a doctor, was this your plan? Why did you go to med school? When, when did you have this awakening?
0: I was 13. Um, I was 13 before I had a stint with, you know, anorexia, actually, believe it or not. Um, I was 13 years old. My entire family is obese, probably, you know, for a number of reasons. One, Armenians know how to eat too. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly, uh, adverse childhood events are associated with obesity, but, you know, I thought it was genetic. You know, I looked at my dad, looked at mom, look at my brother, my older brother's overweight, my younger brother's overweight, everybody, I was overweight. And I was like, I, I'm gonna, I am got to i got to go into medicine. We gotta fix this. Right. I gotta fix this. So I remember being 13, knowing that there's gotta be a way out and I gotta find it. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I've known at a very young age and then You know, I've gone through many iterations of being interested in health from being vegan and anorexic and to running to becoming a personal trainer. But I was – bottom line, I had a bit reprieve, a whole childhood of obesity, massively obese as a kid. I had a small reprieve by doing what they told me, which was eat a bunch of plants and count your calories and go exercise. So I had a small reprieve and then it just was me and my hunger that was insatiable. And of course, what's going to happen is you're going to gain all that weight back, right? The minute high school gym class is over, right? It's, it's, it's game over, right? If you don't know how to manage your appetite, which no doctor knows how to teach, right? What do you do when you're constantly hungry? How do you diet? How do you lose weight if you're starving? Right? So, the problem is, uh, uh, you know, I regained the weight instantly, you know, instantly. And then, you know, fast forward, I still have this vision. I still want to do it. I'm in med school now. I'm a 350 pound med school student.
1: How tall are you?
0: Five eleven.
1: Wow! You wow! Five eleven Armenian. That's that's. Yeah, five impre-
0: eleven Armenian. Imp- right? Impressive.
1: Throw a few <laughs> inches my way, please.
0: Yeah, and uh, from where? Listen, um, <laughs> so. So, um, I'm I'm in med school and, you know, I loved exercise. Remember, I was a person running and all that stuff. I did it all. I loved exercise. So, I have a, a picture of me in my cap and gown. I set up my school's gym. I literally set up the gym at my medical school. Right, they were they had a budget, they renovated it. I said, This is what I'm interested in, this is what I'm inspired to do. And we got it. I set up the gym, right? And I have a picture of me in my cap and gown working out. And but I was 350 pounds, and then I go through, you know, finished medical school, went to residency, finished residency in you know, internal medicine. I'm board certified in internal medicine. This is like eight years ago, and my wife was also Armenian, she knows how to play me. She's like, you can figure this out. You scored on the 90th percentile on your board exam. You diagnosed my father with, you know, a major issue and you saved his life. You know, why can't you become an expert on obesity? So that year I went to the books and I was like, let me figure this out. I read over 2000 papers. I've since read 400 diet books. That year I probably read 200 books on diet, three textbooks on obesity. And it's all right there. This is the worst part. It's all there. And they've lied to all of us. You should not eat multiple small meals a day. If you're not hungry, don't eat. Right? You should not avoid meat. You should not avoid eggs. Okay? You should avoid sugar, processed sugar, processed grains, and foods and food combinations that make you eat more. Right?
1: So they I'm, lied. With you, I'm with you 100%. My, I, I try to post at least one time a day, stop eating sugar and stop eating refined carbohydrates. Like, just stop.
0: Yeah, this is the problem. They, 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 they lied. If you look at the head-to-head studies, I was… I want to take
1: you back one second. Um, yeah, so if ahead. it's all there, who's doing the lying? If it's all, you're saying it's all there, but they're lying. So it's all there in yeah. the medical literature, but then who's lying?
0: Yeah. So it's, it's very clear. So if you go to, so we have a study that was just accepted, right? I'm going to give you a perfect example. We took three patients. If you look at the ADA, the American Diabetic Association, they say, right, they say you need to lose weight to improve your diabetes and you need to control your energy, count your calories and portions. This is literally in their guidelines for medical nutrition for diabetes. We took people in our practice and said don't count your calories, don't care about your portions, just don't have carbohydrates. And we showed we took people on insulin with an A1C of 12, which is like the worst diabetic diabetes you can have, and in 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 4 months, sorry, we lowered their A1C by 6 and took them off insulin, bringing them to pre-diabetic levels. We reversed their pre-diabetic we reversed their severe diabetes Okay, with, with ignoring, with literally telling them, ignore what these people have said. And just, just lower your carbohydrates. And if you're not hungry, don't eat. Right, which is basically the concept of intermittent fasting. All right. And uh, so we just got this accepted. It'll be published soon. The National Lipid Association says if you have severe hypertriglyceridemia, if you have triglycerides, blood fat, over 500. Do not even consider a low-carbohydrate diet. They say it's contraindicated. Okay? Well, wouldn't you want to become an expert fat burner if you have excess fat in your blood? Right? And what's the best way to do that? Lowering your carbohydrate. So we took people with a 1,000. We literally tracked their triglycerides every week and showed that from 1,000 and 800, we brought it down to under 200. Doing exactly what they said not to do. There's no drug that can do that. There is not one drug out there that can lower your triglycerides a thousand. Right? So they lied. They've lied. Well, I would not want to say they lied. Maybe lied's the wrong way of putting it. They have not said that, you know, maybe there's room for our error.
1: They've, misdirected, they've misdirected at least. They've misdirected at least.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And do you
1: you think that it comes from the fact that they're trying to, it seems like they're trying to figure out a way to get you to live with the disease and you're, and and you're, and it's a, it's a, it's a ass backwards way of thinking. And you're like saying, no, you don't need to live with this disease. You can get rid of it.
0: I don't, I don't, I got to be honest, I've tried to think about how did we get here. Mm -hmm. Right. I think how we got here was discovering energy and calories and discovering cholesterol, and then slowly, you know, just focusing on these things over time, right? And not focusing on things that, um, you know, not focusing on anything that, that, you know, was not related to these. You know, the there's been a ton of money and, you know, poured into energetics, right, from Gatorade, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, right, all these companies have really poured a lot of money to have the academics focus on energy, which is, at the same time, it's not a, it's not a falsity, right? It's, it's, a tr- it's a partial truth. It's like focusing on the partial truth. It would be like saying, you know, um, you know, like genocide deniers. What do they do? Armenian genocide deniers. They say, well, there was a war, you know, it's like focusing on a partial truth instead of admitting the, the reality of what needs to be done. Right. So, yeah, maybe it's just about calories. Maybe it's just about calories. And we don't want your cholesterol to go too high. Right. They're both partial truths, but like the main like they're just these small pieces of a big puzzle and they're ignoring the big puzzle right
1: so so it's sorry go ahead
0: no no you go ahead
1: so as soon as you got into medicine you knew right it began there wasn't there wasn't a transition for you you weren't um uh dr tro your 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 physician who's towing the line and then there was a shift it was like you got you got your your paperwork you were officially a doctor and you and you were off to the races right away to to not um take the same path as other physicians of the no, medical establishment. No,
0: no, no, not at all. Okay? So I I w- I was highly inspired at a young age, but then I, you know, I did a complete you know, I when I w- was in medicine and learning about medicine, I was like I'm going to learn it better than everybody else. I'm going to learn the mo- I'm going to read the evidence, I'm going to know the evidence, I'm going to know every guideline. I'm going to know it better than everybody else. I'm going to be the best at medicine. And I'm practiced for 1 year you know, like a typical doctor. If you, so I got my board certification, my learning about obesity, I'm out practicing in, in you know, one of the biggest hospital systems in the New York area, right? And if you came to me with diabetes, I would say, go see the dietitian. you know, um, here's your medications. Good luck.
1: Okay. So right? you'd follow the protocol, the procedure that's in place. I
0: followed the protocol and I knew the protocol better than 90%, you know, if you can use, my board exams as a judge, I was better than ninety percent of them, so I knew it better than ninety percent of them. Um, but uh, I was three hundred fifty pounds, and the minute I was tasked with, the minute my wife played me, you know, she knew what to say. You know, she's like, you know, and and the minute you think about it, stop and think, right? Um, then then it starts unraveling, right? And if you have a critical questioning mindset, that's all it takes. Some time, a critical questioning mindset is all it takes to escape. But most doctors are not, you know, look, I'm Armenian, you know? I was taught to question authority from, you know, question the, like, you know, question everything, right? At a young age. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe through generational trauma, who knows. But the idea here is, is you know, I had an acquisitive, curious mind. That's it, right? That's the pretext of what's needed to escape, you know, being a lemming. And if you are, like, if you're a doctor, you're an expert at learning and memorizing. So you're an expert at being a lemming. Right? You're like the most expert lemming. You're, you don't, there's no task to think creatively or question anything. It's just learn, learn, learn. Mm-hmm. So once you get out and start working professionally, when they, when they train you to see patients in seven minutes, right? it's I have the knowledge. This is what you're going to do. You know, see you next time. Come back to me in a month.
1: Did, did that make medical school difficult for you? You, because I imagine I've – I've spoken with people who are like two years into, into medical school and then they find something like CrossFit and they start getting into health and they're like, oh shit, this next two years is going to be brutal because I know the stuff they're teaching me isn't correct. Did, did you suspect that did – you, did you have any inklings of that while you were, it, where you were steeped in the studies?
0: It's not incorrect, so I'm just going to caution okay. you. Okay, please. It's a series of partial truths. Okay. Right, I haven't seen outright lies, mm-hmm. you know, except from like vegan propagandists who will like say eggs cause diabetes and those are rare, right? Those people are rare. So, but in the medical organizations and the medical evidence, they're just partial truths, right? Eat more fruits. Like, well, yeah, there's a mild association of eating more fruits and just being generally healthy. You know, that doesn't mean if you have diabetes or prediabetes, obesity, or you're overweight, that you're You should just pound on as much watermelon as you can.
1: Let me rephrase the question. Let me say: Did you suspect that hey, this this isn't the ideal cure? What they're what they're proposing? There there is no. I don't
0: think I don't think I had the mental bandwidth. Even it was just like learn it all. Okay. And my my
1: good good for you because you wouldn't have made it to the other side. I don't think if you started right, it would be like a if I had my
0: bingo. If I had my mentality now, I don't. I would be like, no, screw this,
1: you know. I'll
0: open a gym. In fact, my entire life, I was like, I'll open a gym. Even now, I kid you not, we're going to open a gym right next door.
1: Oh, (laughs) I believe you.
0: So, so because.
1: For yourself. I know why you're doing it. You're doing it for yourself. So you can just walk over there and work out.
0: (laughs) Well, not only that, you know, you're so right. But (laughs) not only that, but also, um, but I had this vision of like, why isn't there a freaking treadmill in every single waiting room in everywhere in the country? Why isn't there a bike, a mountain, you know, assault bike, in every single waiting room? Why is why are you sitting an hour watching a TV? So that this is like a twenty-year-old passion of mine.
1: God, I really love the assault bike. I live on the assault bike.
0: Yeah, it's good. I, mean, I got I'm, one. Yeah,
1: it's a. Um, it, we we both have three kids, and it is a. No matter how bad my eyes are burning at nine o'clock when everyone's asleep, or I've been up all you know the whole day. I'll go out there and, and huff and puff on that thing for 10 minutes, telling, you know, convince myself, Hey, I only need 10 minutes on the assault bike. But by then I'm a sweaty mess and I'm like, All right, time to do something else because I'm ready to go. And I have zero issues sleeping after that, too. Some people get all fired up, but I just love then a nice shower and straight to bed. It's not ideal, but man, if you have an assault bike at your house, it is, and you're, and you're disciplined. It's, it's really hard not to be healthy.
0: You know, it's uh, enjoying movement, too. I'll tell you, at 350 pounds, when they tell you, you know, you got to move more, right? Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. insanity, right? It's insanity. My body didn't even feel good. In fact, the only movement I really did, I just learned about appetite and, you know, I just learned about how can you eat less without trying, Mm -hmm. right? I wanted to just hack it. You know, I'm like a, I'm a tinkerer, I'm a hacker, I want to... I want to figure it out like what like what does it take to not be hungry? you know um, I binged watched walking dead on a treadmill for a year and a half. You know, walking on. I, could, a I couldn't
1: watch. I couldn't watch that show. It stressed me out. I watched like three episodes. <laughs> when the bad guys outnumbered the good guys by that much, it's just, it's yeah. just too much. It's just for me. I don't know how you did it. I'm just it was just yeah. like on edge for an hour <laughs> at a time. I'm like, all right, this can't be good for my nervous system. Yeah,
0: whatever <laughs> the, the housewives of, of uh, Beverly right, Hills, right, whatever right. you wanted to watch, but like,
1: right. you're flexible. I, you're flexible. Didn't feel
0: good. My body didn't right. feel good. Why would I like? I was like, I, maybe I got this all wrong. You know, maybe I got this all wrong. My body didn't feel good. and I was hungry all the time. You know, I was hungry all the time. So it's, so, you know, then, but fast forward, now I'm like a beast. I love, I do 5Ks. I do, you know, I actually, I love martial arts and, you know, I love exercise. I, you know, I love CrossFit. Um, You You discovered your
1: body. You discovered your body. Bingo. That, that, that happened to me at 34. Oh, I, 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 I. gotten a a little bit of crossfit and they had just run 400 meters on the track as fast as we can and i had this thought while i was running i can't remember the last time i've ever run as fast as i can wow that what a mistake that is to be alive and not play around with your body like that yeah it's interesting
0: is, is is expression of movement in time and space it is not a punishment for what you ate
1: well said um it's interesting i i i was as a, as a kid, I I had some similar things. I wasn't morbidly obese, but I was the kid that like, um, I I was chubby. I was the kid that wore my t-shirt when I went to swim parties, when we had to swim in PE, I just remember just dreading it, having to take my shirt off and coming home and just doing just thousands of sit-ups, just as many sit-ups as I can to no effect. And, um, and then I was, um, and, and by that, I mean like probably my ideal weight would be like 150 and, and, Now, and and I was probably just like 20 pounds over 20 or 30 pounds over, but enough more than than my friends. And with me, it came in the other direction. I was I started CrossFit at 34. And I was an executive in the company. And since I was always around Greg Glassman, he was always pounding the no sugar, no sugar. And he would always say, Hey, you can't exercise away a bad diet. And hey, if you could only choose diet or activity, you should always choose diet. He goes, I wish it wasn't true since I'm the fitness guy, but man, you can, you can, it's all diet. And, but for me, moving came first. And then the fact that I wanted to move better motivated me to change my diet, but for someone who's 350 pounds, who should be under 200 pounds, it's the other way around, I'm, I'm guessing, from listening to you speak.
0: Yeah, look, I, I know, I have a huge desire to move, you know, always loved martial arts, always loved running, always loved exercising, so that was there, and some people never had that, you know, so they don't even know, right? right? I mean, they just just see
1: movement as pain.
0: Yeah, they move into, uh, I mean, they see, I mean, the disaster Jillian Michaels did for obesity, you know, wrecking people's metabolisms and telling them to eat nothing and then just exercise, right? It's just, that's, uh, some people have never felt pain-free and, um, I, I have to tell you, it's, you know, it's just, it's tough for people to understand, like, when you're dealing with obesity, start one step at a time. Start with diet. Once your body feels good, go and move. Go and move, and it should feel good. It should be a reward, not a punishment. You know, um, it's you know it, man. You're in this field. You know it. I see the exercise you're <clears throat> doing with your kids, making them run. What was it? 100 miles in 100 days.
1: Yeah, it was yeah. I, it was his it was his idea. He came up with this this plan. Hey, if I run a mile every day for hundred days, will you buy me a go kart? So I immediately called my mom and got a, got a respo- got him a sponsor. <laughs> hey, mom, you want to buy him a go kart if he runs hundred miles in hundred days? And like a good meds mighty, she uh, she's like, of course I'll do that.
0: Perfect. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something similar. It's funny. My my kids love. Uh, they see me do all sorts of exercise, and uh, <clears throat> I mean, it affects them biking,
1: oh, for sure.
0: h- hiking, walking. I mean, you know, I have a four-year-old that can bike.
1: Like, yeah, that's awesome. Bike.
0: You know what I mean? I mean, it's, I didn't, I don't think I knew how to bike until I was eight. Me too. You know? Um, so it's a, a big deal to give them that freedom.
1: You can you set know? your expectations. I, I, I believe it's disrespectful not to set Your expectations for your kid very, 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 very high. And by that, I mean, you don't punish them if they don't meet them, but you really, really, they're capable of so much more than people, um, expect from them. And and they will just live up to your expectations. So if you set the bar low, they won't live up to it. A perfect example of that is, is when I'm cooking, I don't want them anywhere near me because of my OCD and I don't want to spend the time teaching them to cook. So I've set the bar so low for them. And so they don't, but my wife lets them do everything—the stove, crack the eggs, like she'll deal with all that. And man, and in, in, you know, a week they can make a whole—you know, four-year-olds can learn to make a complete breakfast: bacon, eggs, oatmeal. And I'm like, nah, nah, you can wait till you're fifteen, <laughs> you know. And and and, and 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 you see it. I I set, I set the bar too low for them. So you, your your year in as a physician. Your 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 wife um uh gives you that she she it, your words plays you i love that that's what a good wife should be she uh an, an, another way to say it she's your muse and she gets you on the right path and you um what what did you find what did you find in all of these books and, and and quickly what was your favorite book if, if if people who are listening what what's the book to read if you're, if you're yeah. like hey what what's the first book i should read that will really pull the wool open my eyes
0: Big Fat Surprise by Nina Teicholz, Obesity Code from Jason Fung.
1: Um,
0: I would say those are like two must reads to just start peeling it back. But I read everybody. I read all the vegans, you know, Kahn, Gregor, you know, I read them all. I read all the, you know, Ponser and, you know, DNA and all these, you know, diehard academic energetics people. I read, you know, Always Hungry by Ludwig, Lustig's work, you know, uh, Hacking America. And, and, uh, you know, so the bottom line is is I read them all because I was like, I don't trust any of these guys. Right. I don't. And I treated it like a drug. Like I went to the medical literature. I was like, okay, if this was pneumonia, I'd want to know, you know, which antibiotic is going to save more lives right so i went to the medical literature and I said okay which diets are going to lose more weight and every time you look low carb does better okay which dr- which you know diets do better for diabetes and every time you look you know diabetes does better now it's not by much right because it's the average american getting the constant messaging of eat mcdonald's and donuts right so you have to figure that even if you put people into diets that at some point they're all going to regress to the same back to the same crap, right? But if you look, the biggest differences and the most improvements are low carb in diabetes and blood pressure and for weight loss. So I was like, okay, that's that's easy. I'll just start there. It was like, just like what drug should I give if somebody has, you know, an inf- you know uh, uh, an infection in their lungs. So it was very, I had no dogma. I was just like, give me the best evidence. You have to imagine, I'm like, I want to know the evidence. I'm studying, you know, I'm going to be the best doctor I can possibly be. I'm going to be the best. So I didn't want to like buck the trend. I wasn't trying to like, you know, figure out if the ADA was lying. There was none of that. It was like, how am I going to do the best right now? I want to know what's the best, what's the best thing to do? What's the evidence-based approach? And that's the problem. The minute you go to the evidence, it's not what they're saying. And I understand how we got there. You know, the ADA asks a hundred thousand people on surveys what they eat. And the ones that say, Oh, yeah, of course I eat whole grains. No, no, no way. I don't eat processed meat. The ones who check those boxes are the ones more likely to go to doctors and be wealthier and be, you know, they're just healthier people. Because that's the stuff they've been saying, right? They're more likely to do what they're told. Right? So so the thing is, I know how we got to the point where whole grains is healthy, quote unquote, and fruit is healthy, quote unquote, you know, and these things are healthy and processed meat is evil. I know how we got there, right? So it's not like a bunch of lies, it's just a bunch of half-truths and people don't get the whole picture, right? And they don't know, they don't know like where are the chinks in the armor. In every single interventional trial ever done, that looks at whether you control for calories or not. Low carb does better. Low carb does better for diabetes, and yet the president of the ADA, when I called him out, um, said there's no diabetes diet. You know, there's no diabetes diet, and I know he's not wrong. He's just not right. He's just not right.
1: So you were you were your first patient. You experimented on yourself. You're like, okay. This guy weighs 350 pounds, and I need to figure out the best way to get him to lose weight. And you started on that journey. Tell me, tell me about the the first steps of that.
0: Yeah, I just started lowering after the the research. Yeah, great. I was like, okay, you know, I'll eat some more eggs. I'll have some more chicken. I'll have some more cold cuts. I'll eat some more, you know, chicken and fish. I mean, I was never like I was an ex-vegan. I was anorexic and vegan, you know, to try to escape when I was younger. Right? I never had steak. I never cooked a ribeye. So I didn't eat sausage. Right? So I had to like learn how to cook a steak. I had to learn how to cook bacon and eggs, you know? And then I had to get it out of my brain that I had to eat two eggs. Like what's this two eggs? Right? Like like we eat two slices of pizza no problem. It's 800 calories if you care about calories. That's 10 eggs. And what happens? Two hours after eating that two slices of pizza, you're eating the cold pizza and it tastes better. Why does that happen?
1: Yeah, why is that?
0: Yeah, why does it happen <laughs> that three hours after I Chinese love, food, you're eating the I love cold.
1: Col- yeah, yeah, I, I used love to cold love pizza. cold pizza, oh my goodness. Yeah,
0: why did you love cold pizza? Let me tell you, I'll tell you why. And this is the problem is most doctors can't explain this. Why do you go back to cold Chinese food, the leftovers? You're like, wow, how do these leftovers taste better? Right. Super simple. Okay, you eat a bunch of carbohydrates, and pizza is a combination of carbs and fat. So is Chinese food, carbs and fat. But because it tastes so good, that carbon fat combination, right? You you eat a lot. Your blood sugar goes through the roof. And then that blood sugar comes tanking down. And then when that blood sugar comes tanking down, right, what happens? Your brain is activated to eat again. Right? Your brain is saying, get me more, just like have you ever met a person who has like low blood sugar? They say my blood sugar is low. Maybe they have diabetes, mm-hmm. right? What do they say next? They're hungry. They say I'm hungry, right? And what do they say? Get me. Yeah. What do they I'll say? Take get me, get, get me, me a coke. Get me a coke. Juice, ice cream, yep. cookies, crackers, chocolate, candy. Did anybody ever say get me the paleo? You know, no. broccoli. Get me
1: an avocado. No one ever says get me. Bring me an avocado, and they right? start eating it with the spoon. They say that, right? So, right. so the
0: thing is, is the brain. When that blood sugar is shifting down, it is getting activated, saying "Get me more." So it's that blood sugar excursion, and particularly the downturn, right? Which happens in the setting of high insulin? Okay, it's like kind of like there's insulin resistance, and there's prediabetes and there's diabetes. And as that blood sugar excursion, you know, goes from that really high number to that low number, the brain is triggered to eat again. That's why if you take pizza. You do two slices, two hours later, the cold pizza tastes great. Now, let's say calorie for calorie, if you ate 10 eggs, have you ever gone back to 10 eggs later that were cold and said, wow, I want more of this? Never happened. Right. This is why I eat I, my ki-
1: I eat my, um, my yeah. kids eat cold eggs every morning, and I and I and there's I always taste it when my wife's making the warm ones for them. I'm like, these are the best eggs I ever had, and then I eat the cold ones. I'm like, this is garbage. <laughs> I'm eating rubber. Look, I still eat it.
0: The, the The point of all this is this is why energetics fails. Yeah. If you look at two slices of pizza and calories, right? That's ten eggs. Mm-hmm. Right. What is the fullness you get from ten eggs?
1: Hours and hours and hours. [SS1] And what is the postprandial
0: hunger you get from that pizza? You're going to be hungry two to three hours later. And not only are you going to be hungry, the cold pizza tastes better. If you went to a pizzeria and they gave you cold pizza, what would you say?
1: I don't want this old pizza. I don't want
0: this. If you went to a Chinese food restaurant and they gave you cold egg rolls and cold food, what would you say to them?
1: Same thing. Send it back. Three
0: hours later, you're like, this shit is awesome.
1: Yeah. Especially you know, in the morning, like I can, you know, obviously you can remember being in college and you order a large pizza and you put half in the fridge and in tin foil, and in the morning you pour yourself the biggest glass of milk and, and eat five pieces, five pieces of the old pepperoni cold pizza, and it's I mean, better than, than yeah. When the you went next to bed. day
0: when you wake up and there's a lot yeah. of reasons that happens, um, but that's a that's an hour long discussion, you know. Um, but let's just put it this way: so so low carb eating is give something unique right it provides ketones so or so does intermittent fasting actually right it provides ketones and to some extent lower carb diets in combination with intermittent fasting so even like a paleo diet could give you ketones and what happens with ketones is they work on the brain they tell you i'm, I'm not you're not hungry right they give you a fuel source right a constant fuel source that's not beholden to carbohydrates So these ketones actually act on the brain, and they inhibit seizures. They're in their medical literature. They inhibit migraines even, right? But they also inhibit appetite, right? So if you take uh, somebody and you give them high-carb foods, right, and they're an adult, right, their liver is going to pack in all those carbohydrates and fat, and it's going to take a long time. Adult livers are huge. So it's going to take like 16 to 18 hours to clear that liver out. Mm. And force them back to making ketones. Right. But for kids, an overnight fast is all it takes. Their livers are tiny. So have you ever struggled to feed your kids in the morning? You notice like they're not hungry sometimes. Has that ever happened? You know, where you're like, why aren't they eating? Why aren't they hungry? You know, yeah. You know?
1: I mean, they, they really just want to wake up and play.
0: Right. They want to wake up and yeah. play. And you kind of have yeah. to force them. Now you got to eat breakfast. Right. Yeah.
1: Time for breakfast. Yeah. Same they're with the, all the making, yeah.
0: They are making ketones overnight. Kids make ketones in like eight hours
1: wow that's fascinating
0: you know and adults take like 16 18 hours right so what happens is is you know um now the problem so so the thing is is these ketones inhibit appetite just to some extent it's like a mild like i don't really need to eat of course ketones won't take away like if you're staring at pizza you're still gonna want that pizza Right, or if you're stress eating, it's not going to take that away, but it gives you like this, I don't really need to eat right now, right? It gives you that feeling. So kids get it overnight. So now as you progress to college, right, your liver is basically peaking out in its size. And if you have dinner, like a bunch of pizza, your ketones are dropping. And if you're waking up from eight hours of sleeping, which probably it's not enough to clear the liver out, you're going to wake up hungry. You don't have that ketones. And in fact, people tell me, well, why are you such a low-carb proponent? I'm not. You know, there were civilizations that lived off of carbohydrates, like Asians and sub-Asians, but they were intermittent fasting. Mm. They weren't eating. You know, they woke up. They tended the fields, okay? And then they had a, you know, starch for lunch, not sugar, starch, right? And then they had, like, cooled starch for dinner. They had a resistant starch for dinner, the cooled leftovers. And then they went to sleep because there was no light. They were eating in a narrow window, but they were still making ketones because they're eating in this tiny bit of time. They're still clearing out their livers, and they're back to this appetite suppression. They weren't constantly eating. There was no refrigerators and diners and McDonald's and snack packs. Right, so intermittent fasting is very powerful. So is low-carb eating, and so is exercise. All of them, if you listen to Atkins' old lectures, there was three ways to Valhalla. Fasting exercise low carb or some combination and if you're lean you don't need much of any of those but if you're overweight you damn need a lot of all of them so that's the problem you know young kids like your kids they're making ketones overnight they're making yeah, they're burning fat overnight
1: i've never heard the distinction between kids kids livers ketone production and uh, adults that's fascinating
0: Yes, what, they don't. What? They don't teach this, man. That's the problem.
1: So, in, in in the fifteen years that I was I was working at CrossFit, it was always like tinkering with my diet and always reduced because Greg was always preaching no sugar, no sugar, no sugar. And then finally, what happened is is I f- came across Paul Saladino about a year ago, and I, I wasn't interested in um in necessarily doing the carnivore diet, but I but I made this harebrained plan that I would do the carnivore diet my version of it. And I would let myself eat as much meat as I wanted for a month, but that's basically all I would eat. Just meat and avocados and, and some macadamia nuts and somewhere around the, and then I, and then I fast for the last 55 weeks. I, I fast for about 36 hours uh, a week. I stopped eating Saturday night and I don't start again until Monday morning. And about two weeks into his diet, the the sort of the carnivore diet, I, I must have switched over into, I guess what they call ketosis because all of a sudden I realized that I was forgetting to eat and I wasn't eating and I wasn't getting hungry. And it was such a trip. And it, and I stopped craving. I stopped ch- spending my days. I didn't realize I spent my days chasing glucose. I didn't realize I spent my days really chasing food. I had no awareness of that. And then at night, my cravings were always for like heavy cream or avocados or nuts. I became insatiable around fat. And I'm like, wow, this used to be sugar that I wanted at night. I used to want crackers or something like that. And I thought it was, I thought it was a miracle. I thought, holy shit, something has shifted. And I, and I, and I assume it's because all of a sudden now my fuel was ketones. And so that's why I was craving them. I'd, I'd switch fuels. Is that, is that a proper understanding?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Probably somewhere between the appetite suppression that we've seen probably occurs around three to six weeks, depending on how fit somebody is. Mm -hmm. So and our marker is your ability to skip meals. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. In
0: fact, we have a little trick. We tell people to come to our even though we're licensed in 40 states and we do a lot of work remotely, like completely remotely. When people are local, we say come into our office like three or four weeks in and we schedule them at like three o'clock and we say you have to be fasted because we're gonna take some blood work here, right? And it's like a complete, like, yeah, we may need labs, but it's a test. If they come in saying, wow, so easy to go to three o'clock, we're now, okay, these people are fat adapted, they're, you know, uh, their appetite suppressed, we can push fasting now effortlessly, right? If they Mm -hmm. come in saying, wow, this is terrible, you know, I was hungry, blah, 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 right? Then we wouldn't necessarily push fasting or even push weight loss. We'd wait a little bit longer, figure out what's driving the hunger. So yeah, absolutely. We use this as a clinical indicator when that appetite suppresses, the ability to fast goes up, like skipping meals effortlessly, right? That's a sign of fat adaption in in our context, right? There's other biomarkers that help us figure that out. But yes, that's exactly what we look for. Now, what you'll find is that can switch. So even though the sugar reward and the carb reward will never be the same as the fat reward, you're noticing that your taste for fat has has increased, right? You're like craving heavy cream, craving macadamia nuts, craving avocados. So that now for somebody who's active and doesn't need to lose weight, that's usually not a problem, right? But for somebody who's a food addicted, obese, and has to lose weight, usually we'll just kind of remind them that, hey, look, you know, you can still kind of drive yourself to eat with some of these foods and not be full. You know, I've never met somebody who ate three macadamia nuts and was like, you know what, I'm done. You know, right? Or,
1: Or if they salt
0: it, you know, that's the other thing. Like, you wouldn't eat that food. Maybe you're even craving salt. That's the thing, right? And we really believe in salt. And
1: I, and okay. I was craving salt. When I, started, I started craving water and salt like crazy when I, went, when I did this diet, and I still do. I crave salt and water.
0: Yeah, But this is a common – what you're saying is an absolutely common experience. Right around somewhere between two to three to up to six weeks is like this change in their baseline hunger where it drops and they're able to go longer without food
1: it's liberating it's liberating it freed up it freed up my days it, i feel like it made me twice as productive in my day it was like
0: a, it, it, yeah. It, it, yeah it was and truly liberating I, mean, I wish I, I would have done it eating all the time you know i eat right like, i eat on average between six to ten meals a week <clears throat> depending on my hunger wow i mean that's that's what i eat i'm not hungry you know i mean that doesn't mean like you know if my my wife has a low carb baking mix company if she makes like low carb cake and like puts it in front of me. And it's made out of almond flour and sweetener. I'm not going to want it. Of course I'm going to want it. She makes this awesome low carb pizza, right? It's a basically almond flour, right? And very low in net carbohydrate, but still it tastes amazing. Like, and I just see the pizza, I know what it is. I know what it tastes like. I'm hungry, right? So no diet's going to take away that cephalic response to food. When you put food in front of any animal, their organs start working involuntarily. Your, your mouth is churning saliva. Your insulin is getting released out of the pancreas, as that pancreas. So there's certain hungers or perceptions of hunger that you will never be able to get rid of, right? No diet's going to get rid of that. But what ketosis provides for you is like this low-level non-hunger. I could probably go without food, you know. You know, if Mizma comes and you know has your you know that uh, you know, favorite pachlava, you know, like you're, of course, you know, like you can't erase that social cue to, to drive eating. You can, no diet's going to erase that. But ketosis gives you something unique, you know, definitely. What's the
1: name of the, what's the name of the almond flour that your, your wife produces?
0: So, so my wife, you know, she's like supported me for the last seven years in this. And she knows like, I'm a chocolate binger. I'm a, you know, pizza eater. I'm a And not that I eat a lot of those things now. I don't eat a lot of those things now. I'm mainly like probably Paul and you eat, you know, just mostly meat, fish, chicken, eggs, Greek yogurt, maybe some green leafy vegetables, right? Every now and then. But um, when I crave like, you know, something savory, I mean, or sweet, right? I need a way out. And for the, last, like, for the first three years, this is like five years ago, six years ago, she was just making all these things, low-carb pizza, low-carb cookies, low-carb cake. And rather than me having a problem you know, at midnight in the hospital doctor's lounge staring at the cookies they have out there, she's like, here, take these with you. you know, rather than me you know, looking at you know, people eating pizza and just folding my hands, she's like, all right, here, let's give you away. So three years ago, she decided to make a company out of this. And so she makes, um, you know, basically low carb almond flour based or coconut flour based uh, mixes where you can just make like a pizza in your home. You just buy the mix. It gives you a little recipe and it tells you what to do. You buy, you know, let's say it's your birthday and you know you're going to have cake. Right. Why should it be the crap ingredients, you know, the soybean oil and flour that they want you to have? So this is an almond flour, and you put your own, you know, avocado oil or butter that you want. And it's a basically like, it's a low carb, you know, uh, what and I, I, not Aunt Jemima, low carb uh, Duncan Hines, you know, or low carb, you know, Betty Crocker.
1: It's a substitute you know, for flour, right? You got I mean, it. That's what Rosette's,
0: it is. It's called Rosette's Mix. You know, Rosette is my wife. She's also Armenian, by the way. Um, and it's Rosette's Mix, and she, you know, she's 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 amazing. She, you know.
1: Can we get Uh, that in California?
0: Yeah, you can buy it anywhere you want. You can buy it anywhere. There's a couple of uh, stores out in San Diego, Los Angeles, Pasadena that have – that stock it. And you can just buy it online, rosettesmix.com.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to tell my wife about it. Um, Where do you live?
0: We're in – I live in New York. Uh, My practice is in New York, just outside of New York City. But like I said, we're licensed in 40 states. We have a license in California. That's pending, which means we expect to get a final approval in like maybe a month. So we're like, are you abortion. taking
1: more, more clients, more patients?
0: Yeah, we're taking more patients. Uh, we're take, we're accepting patients, but soon we're going to like, there's a lot of new stuff that's coming on for our practice, but, uh, we're basically going nationwide. M-
1: my kids have never had juice. They've never had soda. I, they, they'd have no idea what syrup is. Mine too. For, I have this huge issue with drinking sugar. Like, like, like my issues with sugar are pretty high. But then when I think of kids drinking sugar, I, I, I mean, just, just from a logical point of view, I'm like, man, this can't be good. <laughs> this, this is, I mean, eating it is bad. Drinking it would be next bad, and then injecting it directly into your bloodstream, you know, via an injection would be the worst. But tell me about the, why it's so bad. And people are like, really? Your kids have never had juice. I'm like, yeah, it's no big deal. They're like, what do they drink? I said, water. <laughs> They're like, what? People look, look at me like I'm crazy.
0: Look, let me tell you that by the guidelines, American Academy of Pediatrics says no juice before two. Mm-hmm. Okay. No juice before two. And why is that? Juice provides nothing. It literally provides next to nothing.
1: Oh, Dr. Tro, vitamin C in that orange juice. Yeah, what are you talking there's about?
0: There's more vitamin C in a pepper than there is per calorie than there is in an orange.
1: Like a bell there's pepper.
0: More, yeah, bell pepper, right? A green pepper. My kids take peppers and just eat them. Yeah, you know, and there's more. You
1: really potassium. are, mean. You've taught them well. You really are, Ian. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> my my kids, my kids. Right. So there's more potassium in an avocado or zucchini than there is a banana. If you want vitamin C or potassium, you don't need 50 grams of sugar to get it. Right. You know, one one uh, banana is like 34 grams of carbohydrates. One orange is like 25 or so. You just don't need that. Now, the question is, is who would tolerate it the best? Kids would tolerate it the best. I don't restrict fruit in my kids. They have fruit
2: yeah, all me the either. time.
0: You know, they have. Uh, there's no fruit juice. They've never tasted soda. They've never tasted, you know, any of these things, right? In fact, actually, my son who's nine tasted some soda and he spit it out. He's like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. You know, people drink this? That's what he like literally looked at me like, people drink this? You know,
1: someone gave my four-year-old gum. my kids had gum for the first time. I have two four-year-olds and a six-year-old and last week someone gave them gum. They never had gum before and they all looked and they're like, do we get to swallow this? And I'm like, <laughs> or, and I I think my wife was there, wasn't me. And she said, no. And they spit it out. That's like, well, what's the point? And they all threw it <laughs> out. And I asked one of my four-year-olds, did you like it? He goes, no, it's weird. I was like, yeah, it is weird.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, uh, we forced a lot of crap on them, you know, uh, people want to make them happy. The school wants to make them happy. get the munchkins for everything, cupcakes for everything, you know? So look, if there's anybody who could tolerate it, it's them, Mm -hmm. but they, but they don't really need to, there's no need to put this insult on them, right? Right. There's no need to put this, I mean, let them just eat real food. If they want fruit, let them have fruit. If they want, you know, vegetables, let them eat vegetables. If they want, you know, nuts, like we have in our house, Okay? We have a bunch of nuts. They can freely grab them. They have a bunch of fruit. They can freely grab them. Vegetables- And your
1: nuts don't have any of those funky oils on them. They're not soaked in canola oil or yeah, sunflower yeah, we try oil. Yeah.
0: Or... We try to stick with regular nuts. Exactly. Yeah. Salted nuts. Um, and it's a good point you bring up. Like the There's a reason why they use these crappy oils. They make people eat more and they're ridiculously cheap. You know, Nobody cares about the effects of these crappy oils that you're talking about, Soybean, cottonseed, rapeseed, all these things, right? But the process, look, bottom line is, if McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, and Keebler, and Nabisco, and Kraft is using a product, you probably should be avoiding it, Wow. right? And they all use soybean oil because it's ridiculously cheap, has shelf stable, and the worst thing is, is it makes those blood sugar excursions worse. There's evidence that it makes insulin resistance worse, right, so there's a reason why they use them. They don't care about you, right? They don't care about your health, they care about recurrent customers. That's it. And uh, look, I mean, my kids do eat like popcorn here and there. We have chips in the house. Like, you know, there's Quest chips. They don't even like them. They don't even eat them. They're like, you know, they have one and they put it down.
1: We do popcorn. We don't do chips, but we do popcorn yeah, on mean, Friday and Saturdays. Like, yeah. You
0: know, we use Quest chips, and it, it, but like they don't even, they're not, there's no, there's no draw, right? Without that carbohydrate, you know, and the crap oils and, you know, there's no draw right and so um like we just try to keep them healthy that's it just like you do man with your kids i see it on your feed yeah you know we just try to keep them healthy that's it
1: yeah the nighttime snack if you want to eat something in bed when you go to bed it's a cucumber it's a little persian cucumber that's it Yeah, that's all you're allowed you know, to eat in your bed do cheese, yeah
0: you know, we'll do, you know
1: i just um, don't do cheese because i don't want to like deal with brushing their teeth again with cheese in their mouth yeah. cucumbers easy to brush around
0: yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they start brushing their teeth soon <laughs> You're coming up to the age where they start wiping their own ass. So when that no. happens, you're off the hook. Is that
1: really going to happen? Is yeah, it's going to happen soon, man, and it's going to be
0: awesome. It's going to be real great, you know, when they start wiping their own butts. Like that's the first sign of freedom.
1: I from 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 day w- from day one, um, when the when the so-called um, pandemic ca- came from day one. Uh, Everyone at CrossFit knew that this was uh, a chronic disease epidemic um, Greg Glassman was very clear in saying that this is a day of reckoning for people who are 30 years complicit in their demise and I've seen that you've been very outspoken about that too it's a it's a it's a damn I I, I spend probably an hour every day looking for someone healthy who has died. From SARS CoV 2 that turned into COVID. I'm yet, I've maybe found one or two people. They're questionable. They're questionable because of the fact they can't get enough information on them. They look healthy, but everyone else, you know, CNN, the, the famous article from CNN is they said a uh, healthy 16 year old dies and the poor kid was so obese that, you know, he can't sleep at night on his back and his ears are gone because his head's so big. And, and I'm, and I'm reading this book, Range Now by David Epstein. I don't know if you've, if you, if you know the familiar with the book, but uh, in chapter 10, he was saying something along the lines of that. Basically you get these really, really smart people who are experts in their field. And my words, not his, they can't see the forest because there's, you know, they're staring at the tree. And, and then a couple of days ago, I, I interviewed a uh, Dr. Eberhard from, he's a psychiatrist at, in Stockholm and, uh, I saw him do a Ted talk. And so I had him on the show and basically, my new formula on it also is is that the doctors and the scientists who made the guidelines or the protocols and the procedures to get us out of this mess, for one, they have no end game, and two, they never thought of the trade-off, the cost, because they're just a hammer hitting nails, right? That's all they see. And, and in my opinion, the COVID response is significantly, significantly more damage than the disease itself. And and I've seen you've been pretty outspoken about that too. And so is Paul. Do you get, how is that being in a job where like 99% of your peers don't see it your way that they're, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's 90%. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, feel free to, to push back on anything I said. Is, Is it hard? Do other doctors think you're a quack? Do they think, I mean, what do they say to you? When you're like, um, Hey, don't worry about this. Just change your diet and you'll be safe. You'll be safe from, from SARS. Stop eating sugar refined well, carbohydrates. You're good to go.
0: Okay. So let let's, yeah, this is like a loaded, like how much time do we have? Cause I can go into, this <laughs> an hour, you know, uh, cause I can explain to you where, why we have 26 this, minutes, 26 minutes. Got it. Okay. Perfect. Um,
1: I want to empower people. My goal is is that I want people to know that they don't have to. You, in 21 days, you can reverse your shit. Like you can, you can, you can make yourself bombproof. Or like you were saying, in three to six weeks, you know, with the, going into ketosis. Look, and people they, need to hear it from doctors because the famous line on the internet is, "Well, Stefan, you're not a doctor." And I'm like, my god.
0: Okay, so let's be very, very clear. If you want to reverse, so what are the risk factors of dying from COVID? Okay, diabetes. High blood sugar in and of itself is an independent risk factor. Low testosterone, low vitamin D, high triglycerides, metabolic syndrome, hypertension. Okay, I just listed seven things that you can affect right now. In three days, you can lower your triglycerides. In three days, you can lower your blood sugar, right? And in fact, instantly. If you lower your carbohydrates, processed carbs, eat real food, right, these things can all resolve. Now, the problem is. Obesity is another risk factor. Okay? So those are seven things you can change right away. Take vitamin D, okay? Start fixing your metabolic health, improve your blood sugars, right? You can fix these right now.
1: Is obesity really a factor or is obesity it just a correlate? It's definitely a
0: factor. Definitely. Really? Is, well, it's not
1: just a correlate?
0: It it's probably an independent factor because obesity Like age? Well, age is a correlate, right? For but, but that's also a correlate for poor metabolic health and more obesity, right? Right. Okay, so, but obesity in of itself is like a constant inflammation, like true obesity. I'm talking about to the point where the body's inflamed. Okay. Right? So I'm 10 pounds of fat, body fat, right? If you're talking about like 40 pounds of body fat or 50 pounds of body fat, I'm not talking about that. You hit okay. the point where like, your triglycerides are high, your HDL is low, and, you know, your body is inflamed. Your, your inflammatory markers are up. So this is an independent – this problem takes a long time to fix, right? Obesity cannot be fixed overnight. So there are risk factors you can improve right now. Fix what you eat. Fix your blood sugar. Fix your triglycerides, right? That you can fix right now, okay? And within weeks, you can see appreciable results okay in fact days okay if you call our office and you get a continuous glucose monitor you can see it in in a day you can literally see it happen so you don't have to believe me we'll give you the tools to to not have to trust me i'll, I'll monitor your blood sugar we'll send you for lab works so you can get as many lipid panels as you need to understand that eggs don't increase cholesterol okay so we'll, we'll say we don't care we'll give you whatever tool you need to figure this out right to give you that that intellectual support, because why would you trust the crazy, bald guy? Just like you said, right? My colleagues may think I'm crazy, right? Except we've published in the medical literature and peer reviewed journals that we're not crazy, but okay. So some risk factors you can immediately change, some take longer. So, so you will always have a risk of dying of COVID. Right. And there are some things you can't even see, right? I have a guy with a six pack who comes in and his triglycerides are 300, and he wants help from me, right? You don't know his triglycerides are 300. I know it, right? The guy's got a six-pack, kid you not. When he first came in here, I'm like, this place says medical weight loss and direct primary care. Like, what are you, like, why are you, are you sure you're in the right place? Like, no, I have a binge eating (laughs) problem. I'm always hungry. I have fatty liver and my triglyceride, I can't, I can't out-exercise it anymore. So, so the internal health, it doesn't always match up with the physical health. And the physical health doesn't always match up with the, right? The, the, so these things don't match up. So obesity is a risk factor that's hard, that takes a long time to change. So you, there are things you could do to improve right now, but you still may live with that risk, right? It's a culmination of all these choices and things and, you know that have happened. So there's always some risk, right? There's always some risk. But yes, you can do something about it, right? The masks are really great because something they prevent significant, eating, right? They prevent. <laughs> <eating>. that's <laughs> wow, that's the, the first good, good thing.
1: That's the first nice thing I've ever heard about a mask. So, you know, not only can you do something. I just want to clarify: you can do something significant. You're not talking about just just like a three percent better chance of survival. You're saying if you even if you are obese, but you follow these 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 dietary protocols, it's more than a three percent. It's a fifty, sixty, seventy percent. Like yes, like you're absolutely. you're coming out of the red in yeah. terms
0: of risk factor reduction. They're huge. Right. Fixing your huge. blood sugar, fixing your fatty liver, fixing your triglycerides, fixing your blood sugar, which could take six days. As little as six days, you can reduce fatty liver. Immediately you can fix blood sugar. These things have a immense impact on your overall health. Okay, you could start supplementing with vitamin D right now. Get outside, get some sun. Going outside and getting in some sun takes an instant, right? So the thing is, is these things will help. Nobody's ever done the trial of let's take people and, you know, compare Tro's diet plan to, you know, uh, counting calories and eating vegan and see what happens to COVID. Nobody did that. But theoretically, it makes sense. Mechanistically, it makes sense. And you're going to fix these things that we know cause worsened responses to COVID. Now, the, then the problem is, is you have all these other people who, who say this and then they turn around and say, buy my supplement right buy my you know special formulation so there's been this predatory health thing like buy my special double mask buy my special (laughs) vitamin blend Right. right buy my special supplement that will that 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 also doesn't do anything so you have the wrong messaging which has been wear masks hide in your home don't go outside you know and then you have you know these risk factors that are clear, but nobody's given anybody something to do. Lower your carbohydrates, wait for your appetite to suppress, eat a bunch of meat, fish, chicken, eggs, Greek yogurt until you can not eat effortlessly and then don't eat effortlessly. Nobody gave somebody that. They just said, yeah, diabetes is not good for this. Right? And then you have this predatory industry of kooks and crazies who want to make a buck. So this confluence of things has left people like, you know, I'm just going to wear my mask, take my vaccine, and you know, uh, do what I'm told,
1: and and do the two week quarantine every time I come <clears throat> in yeah. and out of my country. Yep.
0: Yeah. So it's it's um it's not a look. This COVID thing has been a disaster, but you know the and here's the thing: the public health people they don't care about people. They don't care about you. You know, when they are vaccinating six year olds right? Do you think they care about the six-year-old's life? No. The public health people who are saying we should vaccinate everybody without evidence to support their decision, like will we benefit society? Will we save lives? To answer that question requires thousands of people and time. And they have not wanted to do that. They've just wanted to get surrogate markers that imply that that would happen. Right. So they want you to think that two months worth of data is enough to make this decision. I don't think that's enough data for my own kids. Right. To give them a vaccine. And now we know that these clots are happening and maybe about one in one hundred thousand, one in one hundred thousand young kids are getting this, you know, myocarditis. Right. Why do we have to discover this through the Vaccine adverse Events database? Because we didn't force the pharmaceutical companies to do the right trials to begin with, and the trials that they did, they allowed crossover of people from a a um, the non the placebo arm to get the vaccine. So we'll have no way of actually getting the data that we need in any quick way because of an emergency. Just so happens, pharmaceutical companies have happened to make a ton of money. Now, here's the flip side: it's a freaking miracle what they've done. The technology is a miracle. It has the potential to help a lot of people. But show me the data. Just like a drug. If I was going to take it, I'd want to see the data. Does my six-year-old live longer by taking this? And if you cannot answer that question to me, don't give it to me and don't ask me to make a decision. Right? So now juxtapose that to my parents. Parents are, you know around the seventh decade parents have diabetes in remission parents have heart disease treated i told them look and they travel they're in armenia right now what do you think i told them i was like look you yep. guys are a much higher risk right you really need to think about this even though it's experimental we know that it works to prevent severe complications now the question is is what are you, if you get it will you die right and for them it's about 10 percent. for my son it's less than one in ten thousand yeah right and so, so the so. risk of a vaccine maybe you know that's not properly tested right is higher in my son and maybe not higher in my
1: parents so and you can it. look at the kid and you can look at the kids who died you you can go start googling around and seeing the pictures of the kids who died and i think it becomes a pe- more and more apparent you know when you see their birth defects or their weight. I mean, the two, well, we the-
0: actually, we, we actually know it. Okay. Some people are coming in with like COVID to the hospital and they say they look perfectly healthy and we check and their triglycerides are 400. Right. I mean, they, so like, again, we don't know, even if they look like you can right. tell a metabolic syndrome. Right. But right. even if they look, you, you, we don't know what's on the inside. Right. But uh, the, the problem is, is like, we also can't we hold into like association, right? Like, I—that's my bias too, right? That I think that it, this is largely driven by metabolic health. But we can't, you know, when we're looking at like a huge emergency like this, we have to like take a step back and say, like, just make our do our best not to let our. Even though I 100% agree with you, right? We have to get out of that mindset of what we think is what's actually happening, right?
1: The I, the the for all of my frustration comes from the fact that the loudest voice in the room doesn't, doesn't have an end game. It's not, it's not what's, it's not what's it's short. It, it's short sighted. What it, it, it's a missed opportunity to tell the entire world, like wouldn't have been great if when president Trump got uh COVID, if he would have said, Hey guys, I'm going to go on this diet, you know, and I'm going to take care of my health. Wouldn't have been great if, um whatever Biden's done would have been more to emphasize hey in this 16 trillion dollars we've that that this entire covid response is going to cost us instead i'm going one of the things we're going to do is we're going to build a 10 million dollar community fitness center in every single county in the united states that's the part that like Let that's the part you that here. gets Let me that's you the part here. that I'll right tell
0: yeah i'll never be that okay i care about people you mm-hmm. care about people okay Public health organizations care about cases, Mm. right? Their objective is to decrease cases, right? It's a difference than, you know, so the the public health, the CDC says vaccinate everybody, right? Pharmaceuticals say vaccinate everybody. Politicians say vaccinate everybody. They've co-opted celebrities to say vaccinate everybody, which look, I'm not saying don't let go, Talk to your doctor, is what I would
2: say. Right, right.
0: Talk to your doctor, and your doctor will tell you, hey, look, maybe the risk-reward is absolutely in your favor. Right? Like I said to my parents, and maybe they'll say, like, hey, let's talk about this, you know? Here's what we're seeing, these adverse events that we didn't understand. So the problem is they don't care about people. They care about populations, not individuals. And that's the problem. They'll never be able to do what you're asking of them. Right? Because you care about people.  … … and their health, right? And you see a vision of caring for people's health. They care about populations, so you'll never see eye to eye.
1: … and and they care – there seems to be a little more um, – we can help the people. The people can't help themselves. It's like, it's, like, it's like what we were talking about in the very beginning. They don't set the bar very high or have high expectations for the populace. They don't believe in the people and and it seems short-sighted in uh, in duration like they're looking for an, an, like hey there's a fire at all costs even if we have to pump the ocean out to put the fire out let's do it well we need the ocean
0: they care about cases not right. health right okay they care about and that's not bad I mean you, I mean that's not always bad right it's just bad if you're an individual right right it's just bad if you're an individual it's not bad for a bunch of people who just want some guidance you know, um, it's just bad otherwise. You know, I don't know if that makes sense.
1: No, it does. It does. I'm just not. Uh, yeah, it does.
0: You know, I mean, look, let me <laughs> you're just tell- you're just
1: having trouble. You're just having trouble getting through past my bias. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm so I'm so biased that I, I don't even want to hear what you're saying about. No, that. I I'm, actually so agree. Frust- I'm so I, look, frustrated. I'm so frustrated. I thing, know you I, agree. I, I but you, actually but agree. You're
0: You know, I actually agree with your sentiment, you know, right? I 100% agree with the sentiment, like beyond 100%. I know the sentiment is truth, but you're asking a body like whose values are like CrossFit can do that, right? We can get doctors. We are doing this right here. I'm opening up a gym. We've gone nationwide. We're going to send everybody CGMs. Right. We're going to give you guys meetings and communities in our practice, which we already have. Right, We're going to give you a health coach. We are going to make people healthy. But you and I, our vision will never be able to be done by governments or other organizations because my I want to align with the individual. I don't care about anybody else. Right. And, and I don't expect those other people to ever have my vision. Right. And my values.
1: I guess they're in the way though is what I'm saying, Dr. Tro. They're Cho. definitely in
0: the way. They definitely They're in, in the way.
1: way. They're not only I'm not only expecting that I don't I, I, I'll agree with you. Yeah, we can't ever expect them to do that. Um but they're in the way. It's kind of like Coca-Cola, like I don't care sell Coca-Cola, free market's capitalism, but don't get in the way. And they start getting in the way when they start when they start perverting yeah, but- the health sciences and changing the studies and I'm like, "Man, you guys like stay in your fucking lane."
0: Look, if I was Coca-Cola, I would probably, like, my my job. Put a gun I'm in your a, mouth? I'm a, <laughs> I'm a doctor, right? Uh-huh. I want to reach more people. I want to sell. I want people to understand my value
1: proposition.
0: Right. Right. Coca-Cola, they want s- people to understand their value proposition. Right. Right? And I don't ever expect them to do the right thing by people right. or by society. They're always going to be driven by... You know, their interest. they certainly probably don't want to harm people, but they don't necessarily want to help people. My interest from day one, ever since I was 13, was I want to help people, right? I want to help people. And so much that I've gotten hurt, like it's hurt me personally, financially. I left a cushy job and I took out a $250,000 loan so I can do what I'm doing. I have not signed a contract with any insurance company. So yeah,
1: I can that's do amazing. What I'm doing. That's really, that's really impressive by the way.
0: Right. I have spent $25,000 to get nationwide licensing so I can do what I'm doing. I've been hurt personally. Right. And I'm hoping that in the end, like, well, the, the reality is, is this is what we found. If you invest time with people that they, they'll appreciate that they won't, they don't want to leave. When people join my practice, right. When they see what we're doing, right and after their their health is is they're they're empowered to get go after their health and they can see their blood sugars and blood markers and blood labs improve right why would they go back to a system that failed them so so i'm happy the system is failing because they will be forced to come to me
1: I, I, in, in all fairness to to doctors, I think a lot of doctors would envy your position. That it took a lot of courage what you did. Did your Did your wife ever get like, I mean, when you have three kids, it's a different game. Were you ever like, oh shit, I'm going out on my own. I'm going to be the guy with the tinfoil hat. I know it's the right thing to do, but shit, I'm going I need to start saving for my kids' college. I mean, w- was it a hard decision to make to make this leap?
0: Incredible, incredibly hard, right? Incredibly hard i mean it, in, in let, let me be honest people are like well your wife is a, a food company now you know i mean yeah my wife wants to sell mixes but it's been two three years she's done what she's done she hasn't taken a penny she donated low-carb cookies to the entire hospital right during this pandemic because it was breaking our hearts to see what the fuck oreos and mcflurries and pizza yes. places were doing see?
1: She made an
0: entire hospital, low carb cookies, gave them a whole bunch of stuff. So she's donated. I mean, she is a believer, you know, and she hasn't taken out a penny yet from her company. I've been doing this for four years. I just started paying myself a salary. Wow. Five years now. But, you know, and I'm, you know, so it's, it's. I mean, I live this. I live it. Luckily, you know, I have great support, and we've created a system where I I can thrive. But it took, it took, it's been brutal. It has been brutal. But you know what? It's like, you see the value right away. I see the value proposition. I'm not worried. I'm not and worried. And how good My is life telling
1: the truth? How good is life that you tell the truth every day? Isn't that like? You wake up thinking like, oh, my God, because now I wake up and I'm like every day. I'm like, wow, this is an incredible life. I just have to tell the truth.
0: Look, the bottom line is this is the value that we're bringing people is immeasurable. The money we're saving people off of medications, you know, supplement, whatever, you know, is is and it's an amazing thing. We've made the roadster. Right now, we're perfecting the model three. We're going to redesign the site. We're going to read it. We have a whole back end that we're creating where it's going to be a nationwide platform. Right, we're hiring other doctors, hiring other MPs and PAs. That's every single person that we hire has been inspired by this. My health coach, Amy Igus, she lost 230 pounds, Ooh. lifetime obesity. My other health coach, Brian Wiley. He's kept 100 pounds off for 12 years, right? Every single person. We got somebody with celiac in this, you know, un, who had undiagnosed celiac in this office who improved their health, okay, who's coming to me right now saying I'm ridiculously late for my patient, okay? but Okay, okay, one question. Every single hire we have here yes. mm-hmm. is like a believer, and we will not hire anybody else.
1: That's the it way it used work. to be at Cro- Yeah, that's the way it used to be at CrossFit too. Before the investors got it, it was crazy working in a place where everyone's a believer. Okay, last question. Yeah. Ready? I'm gonna make. You said you make organ organ stew and organ meat stew and. I've been avoiding organ meat, and I've been taking all the heart and soil supplements and ancestral supplements because I'm just like I just just I just can't do organ meat. But t- if you tell me really quickly a simple organ meat stew, I will. as Soon as we get off the phone here in five minutes, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to okay. buy the organ meat, and I'm going to take make
0: heart. It. Take heart. Put it in the slow cooker with a little bit of like tomato. Paste.
1: What heart? Cow heart?
0: Yeah, I take cow heart. Put it in the okay. slow cooker, and then once it gets really soft, cut it up into really small pieces. You know, like pulled. Pulled meat,
1: and what did you say to add? Tomato paste and what?
0: Yeah, like a little bit of tomato paste and a ton of salt, and like Dude, you're so... a little bit of fat. You know, if you want dad... like a little bit of butter or something like that, just put it in.
1: My, you sound, my dad puts tomato paste in everything. Yeah, a little bit of like <laughs> the red pepper paste, the, you know, the Lebanese red pepper paste. You'll be
0: better yes. off with that one, actually. Listen, okay. I gotta go though. I'm really sorry, Simon.
1: No, you, the man. Thank Bye. you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you, man. This has been a pleasure. Maybe we could just chat another time. I'll I'll text you my cell phone and then we can just chat. Just I'd love to get find out more what you did with CrossFit. I'd love to hear about it. Maybe we'll get you on all, my podcast, you know?
1: F- fantastic. Nah, yeah, I I'm, I'm not smart enough for your podcast. Let's just do it. We'll just I nah, keep you on mind. All right. <laughs> all all right. right. I'll give you a call. Bye. Give your patient a big hug for me. Tell him I'm sorry.
0: We'll do. All right, Simon. Have Bye. a good one.